You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shot blocked. Porzingis with his fourth rejection. What he does is contagious. He comes in fetches. And across the lane. Baker launches it. Jack to Porzingis. Fires up the ball. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of letting the kids play through their mistakes. I'm your host, James Masita, a.k.a. Emmanuel, why you gotta be so rudy And this is episode 261. <clears throat> On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Knicks... Wait, what does it say here? The Knicks beat the Orlando Magic. That's right. The Knicks won a game. The final score was 120 to 113. We're going to talk about all that youth that we were promised after the All-Star break. And we got it. So we're going to have detailed breakdowns of the point guard triumvirate. We got significant minutes for Frank, Emmanuel, and Trey. So we're going to delve into what they did, do some evaluation. We're going to talk about Tim Hardaway's solid, if unspectacular, but definitely solid outing. Then we're going to talk about some interesting Clyde moments. He had a couple of uh, interesting statements. We'll get more into that. And we have some other stuff to talk about the game. But let's uh, let's get started. Let's do it. That sound good to you? You guys want to show you start the show? Do you think now's the time maybe where we should stop doing what... I'm currently doing a transition into the actual show. Do you think that this could be the time where we do that thing, where we actually transition? I'm just wondering if you think that that is what we should be doing. If you do, just let me know. You know, send me a tweet at LockedOnNicks. Send me an email, LockedOnNicks at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, I think it's time. All right, let's start the show. Hit it, Marv! Yes! The Knicks beat the Orlando Magic on Thursday night on their turf, 120 to 113. I don't know if that's really cause for bragging, but the Knicks have had their trouble on the road this year, as you guys are well aware. So that's a little feather in their cap, even though it's the woeful Orlando Magic. Now, I know the Knicks are supposed to be tanking right now, losing as many games as possible. Some people were upset about this loss to their fellow tank brethren, the just truly terrible Orlando Magic. But I'm here to tell you guys that it's fine. The Magic are far too putrid for even this shorthanded Knicks team to lose to. Um, friend of the program, Jonathan Macri, tweeted about this, and I agree. You don't want the Knicks going on like a 30-game losing streak to end the year, right? Like, they gotta win sometime. Sprinkle them in very lightly, you know. I'm not talking like Salt Bay, Salt Bay sprinkles. I'm talking like, ba-dink. Like a little, like, ripple in the pond every couple of weeks. Sprinkle a win in there. But, you know, first of all, uh, these are human beings, and to go on a losing streak like that would be it would make the environment so poisonous. It's never fun to be around losing, but there's losing and then there's historic losing. So they had to win sometime. And the Knicks also have the third hardest schedule in the league going forward. So their tank is not in danger. They're the Magic are one of the teams they're not going to catch anyway. They're not catching those upper echelon tank uh, teams, upper echelon 
so to speak. They got an outside shot of finishing as high as the seventh seed, maybe, and then you want them to win the lottery, but they're they're not going to do it on their own and get the best odds and be the worst team in the league. It's just not going to happen. Orlando's there. This win was totally fine. For what feels like decades now, we've been promised that after the All-Star break, the youth movement would start in earnest, and uh, all the young Knicks that the organization is allegedly trying to develop would see a significant increase in their minutes. And Jeff Hornacek was true to his word. This happened. Here was the starting lineup in the post, the first game post All-Star break world. We had Moutier starting at point guard. Then they had Lee um, and Hardaway splitting those two, three duties. Uh, Beasley at power forward and Cantor at center. So obviously the big change here would be Moutier at point guard. I'm fine with this. Um, you know, if they don't think Frank is ready to start at point guard, but they're still giving him significant minutes, which, th- which they did, uh, I have no problem with it. And this was a really nice, strong tank lineup to start the game. Beasley and Cantor is a nightmare pairing defensively. Uh, Beasley specifically has no chance at, uh, st- you know, sticking Aaron Gordon. Uh, Nick's Film School actually had a nice video about this. Beasley played decent on ball defense. But he loses guys off ball like so frequently. Um, and someone like Gordon, who is quick and good at squirting around screens, uh, he can lose Beasley uh, easily. But just that one-two of, of Bees and Cantor, not a good lineup. A good defensive lineup um, in counterpoint to that, that Jeff went to later on, uh, at the end of the third quarter, saw Frank and Burke in the guard spots, and you had Timmy at the three, Lance at the four, Lance paid a lot of four in this game, which doesn't work against a lot of teams, uh, especially because he's not a great rebounder, Um, but it worked against the Magic, who were terrible, and Kyle O'Quinn at center. Frank Burke, Timmy Lance, Kyle O'Quinn was a good defensive lineup, and then midway through the fourth, uh, we actually saw Troy Williams, I'll get into him a little bit later, um, replace... Uh, Timmy for a couple of minutes and that was still a good defensive lineup in contrast with the starting lineup so the starting lineup a little weird a little whack but we saw what we needed to see in this game which was a lot from all the young point guards primarily that's like the big thing right now right so of note there was no Jarrett Jack I love you Jarrett Jack but it was time for you to finally sit an entire game so that was nice to see given all three of the young guys some minutes. Let's talk about Moutier. Let's start with him. He got 23 minutes. You saw a lot of the book of Moutier in this game, the good and the bad. Early on in the game, he had a turnover in the pick and roll. He tried to just jam it through the defense to Cantor. Like, it showed pretty poor awareness. Just one play, but um, not the best there at taking care of the ball. He was also pump-faked into a shooting foul by Augustine early in the game. So not the most disciplined defense. Of note, uh, when you watch him, he really looks large out there, Moutier, running around. He looks like a big guy. He doesn't look like a typical point guard. Um, I confused him for Hardaway for a split second. But interestingly, um, I hadn't really seen this wrinkle to his game before or read about it or heard about it, though perhaps I missed it. But he actually used his size to back down Augustine, who's pretty small, a couple of times late in the game, Moutier. Um, he's also got some potential to make some you know, crazy, interesting, if at times ill-advised passes. There was this one moment early in the game 
Um, Cantor was backing down his man. He kind of like dribbled it off his own feet, lost the ball. But Moutier recovered the loose ball like on the ground, kind of on his back. And while he was still on the ground, like on his butt, he threw a cross-court pass to Lee, who took an open three and then missed it. So it showed good vision. It showed aggression. It was a little dangerous, but I thought it was an interesting sequence. Uh, Midway through the first, he had a nice drive to the hoop, but he couldn't finish it, didn't get the foul call. So we know this is something with Moutier. He is good at breaking down the defense off the dribble, struggles to finish. Um, He had one of his, which is kind of becoming his trademark now, um, he had a long pass to Hardaway for an open three. He's been consistently pushing the ball, and he had a couple of these earlier on to Kyle O'Quinn the past couple games. These long outlet passes that catches the D sleeping. He had one to Hardaway for an open three. He had one later to Hardaway for one of the plays of the game. We'll get to that when we talk about Hardaway. Um, but then we see he had an open corner three that he missed. He was wide open on it. So that three-point shot, that's <laughs> just one shot. It's not like proof, but, you know, indicative of the kind of thing that he's struggling with a little bit. Um, interestingly, they ran lots of that weave play with Moutier, too. Because we've seen Jack be allowed to attack off the dribble more, get into pick and rolls immediately more, and Frank having to kind of initiate that weave play. But we saw a lot of this with Moutier, too. Um, On defense, you know, he was part of that lineup in the first quarter that gave up 41 points, which was embarrassing. But a lot of that was the Beasley-Canter connection. A lot of that wasn't on him. That being said, he didn't exactly stand out defensively. It wasn't a good defensive game for him. Um, He came in for Frank with four minutes left in the second quarter, and a five-point lead was pushed to nine almost immediately. Uh, You know, it's... Not a great game for Moutier, but it was just one game. Uh, you know, he, he showed a lot of the things that he does well with his you know dribble penetration, looks to push the pace, looks to set up his teammates. He showed some of the things that he's been struggling with, his shot, some turnovers, defense. So nothing new here uh, on this one. Just a, a so-so, kind of a low average performance from Moutier. I want to talk about Frank's game, but first, a word from one of our sponsors, If you or a loved one lived in, worked in, or visited Lower Manhattan in the months after the September 11th attacks and have been diagnosed with cancer, federal benefits and health care may be available to you. Attorney Eddie Markowitz has helped many families recover substantial benefits from the September 11th Victims' Compensation Fund. The James Adroga Health and Compensation Act has been extended, but time is limited. Attorney Markowitz is proud to serve as counsel to the Zadroga family, and he can help you too. These benefits are not just for rescue workers, but for anyone who qualifies. The fund covers many cancers, including prostate, skin, lung, and breast cancer. Please call 1-800-LAW-HELP. That's 1-800-L-A-W-H-E-L-P to see if you qualify. Let's talk about Frank Nilakina. Moutier had a fairly ineffectual 23 minutes. Frank had a pretty effective 30 minutes in this game. And it was, just like Moutier gave us the kind of typical Moutier experience, Frank gave us a pretty typical Frank experience. Struggled offensively, but was a demon defensively. One of his better defensive games. He just seemed very active. Um, He played with a lot of energy. Uh, There was a lot of activity. His hands were up. He... um, 
you know, let's 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 delve into it. Let's get into some of the notes from Frank on this one. He got an early foul on some Toronto guy. It was a non-shooting. Oh, it was Biombo. He got an early foul on uh, Biombo. He fouled Biombo trying to run over and get position on him when Biombo was trying to post up. Right, and it looked like kind of an iffy foul. And I say that not to be a homer, but to illustrate a point about something that happened about a minute later. Just about a minute after he was called for that foul, it's easy to kind of like put your head down, oh, I just checked into the game, I fouled immediately, I stink. But then he had very good transition defense on Hazonia, staying straight up, and he forced him into like an awkward miss, there was no foul call. So I like that he kept aggressive after that first foul call. Interestingly... Both or all three of the Knicks point guards almost immediately, as soon as they checked in, were called for defensive fouls. So I don't know if they were, you know, testing the fence like a velociraptor to see how aggressive they could be. Um, that could be smart, provided that you then learn the lesson and back off. And the Knicks largely stayed out of foul trouble in this one, so that might have been what we saw there. But it was kind of weird. Literally within the first minute, all three of them checked in. They got called for a foul. But uh, the story of this game defensively for Frank was all those blocks. Woo! How many do you have? Three? It felt like a bazillion. Like, literally a bazillion. I had the thing open. What happened to it? You rotten son of a... You dirty rotten... Ah, here we go. Here's the box score. Nilakina. Oh, he was only credited with two, but he altered many a shot. Many a shot. He blocked Biombo, basically just standing straight up early in the game. He hopped like two inches. So, Frank Nilakina, interior defender, I'm very much here for. He blocked Biombo into a jump ball later in the game. Um, he lost uh, the jump ball, but Lance actually snuck in there and grabbed the ball, so that was nice. And then he blocked Hazonia in transition in the fourth quarter. He just came flying down the court like a demon. So that was nice. Offensively, we saw um, one good thing. I liked <laughs> early on, he ran a pick and roll. This is in the second quarter. And he hit a nice floater in rhythm. He looked confident. It's an important shot for him for now. Because right now they're giving him that in the pick and roll. And if he can make that confidently, consistently, then they'll play him for that um, and not give him that shot. And they'll open up some other opportunities for him. But he's got to start making that first in order to get them to back off a little bit. Um, But then, right after that, he drove awkwardly into the lane and kind of like twisted sideways and got his shot blocked by Biombo. It looked like he should have just kept going to the hoop. Maybe he tried to draw contact instead of just taking it straight to the hole, but like he jumped away from the basket to do it. Not a good play. But then in a Frank Nilakinian twist, on the ensuing fast break that Orlando got from that turnover, he hustled back, Nilakina, stole the ball, breaking up the Magic's fast break. He, in turn, let his own fast break in reverse, dished it off to Dotson, who was standing behind the arc on the wing. Dotson swung the ball to Burke, who was wide open in the corner. He knocked open an open corner three. It was beautiful. So Frank Nilakina, you know, doesn't put his head down when he does make an offensive mistake. Uh, there are still quite a few offensive mistakes, but he's young. He's learning. His defense looked tremendous in this one. He had another weird offensive moment where he drove hard to the basket, put on the brakes when he really should have kept going, and then tried to pass it back for an open three. You know, which is fine in theory. The Knicks need to hunt more threes. But this is one of these things where he's got to be able to read what's going on against him defensively 
when he's playing offense and make the right decision. So I like that he was thinking about getting an open three-pointer, but the play there, once the play started uh, you know, developing, was for him to keep driving to the hole. Let's talk about Trey Burke, the star of the night. He played 30 excellent minutes. He actually struggled early on. He forced a long shot in the first that clanged out. It didn't go. He got called for the immediate foul, just like Frank and Emmanuel, like I said earlier on. Um, he had a drive where he couldn't finish in the second. He got to the hoop, but then couldn't get it in. Didn't get a foul call. But while this was happening, I liked what he was doing defensively. He's going to struggle with his size. But especially uh, in the second quarter, I noticed this a couple times. He, he did a nice job getting over a pick in the second quarter. Really fought, stayed skinny to get over the screen, stay on his man. The next play, he tried to do the same thing. They tried to pick him again. He tried to get over but he got caught on his man's hip. Not for a lack of effort, but it was a well-executed pick. Um, he passed his guy off to O'Quinn with solid communication. And then Burke recovered hard, but in control, out to the three-point line to contest a Hazonia three, which would have been wide open without his hard closeout. And Hazonia missed the three. So it was a nice, solid sequence from Burke. He was struggling a little bit offensively. He didn't let that get him down. He put a lot of effort... Uh, on the defensive side of the ball in this game. But, you know, what he really did well <laughs> was score. And it came down to, you know, it's easy to get intoxicated with this kind of game and be like, Trey Burke is a star. But he hit lots of mid-range shots. Long mid-range shots. Now, they weren't necessarily bad. He was um, not forcing them. He had one forced one early. But he was they were giving him that out of the pick and roll. He ran a lot of pick and rolls. Um, specifically with O'Quinn, there was one sequence in the, I think it was from the third to fourth quarter where they ran like three or four straight uh, Burke to O'Quinn and they couldn't stop him. Uh, one of the pick and rolls went for an open mid-range shot for O'Quinn, which is actually something that O'Quinn needs to do. We talk about long mid-range shots not being good, but Kyle O'Quinn needs to take and make these uh, long mid-range shots because he needs to pull his man, who's always going to be an interior defender, he needs to pull him out of the paint. Uh, a lot of times I don't respect his shot. I think he has a decent shot. I think he should pull the trigger a little bit more to make them respect his shot so that the paint is unclogged. I'm kind of picking at small things. Kyle Quinn, you've done a great job this year. I like what you do. I want you back with the Knicks. Um, but there are some things you need to improve. Um, then on the very next play, after Kyle Quinn had that long mid-range shot, he rolled for a nice stuff. And just a really nice game for O'Quinn in general while I'm praising him. Solid defense. He had some good blocks, some opportunistic offense, lots of energy, keeping the ball moving. Like I said, I want to keep O'Quinn around. We've actually done a decent job developing him. You know, I think he's at his best right now in year three of his Knicks contract. So I would like to keep, I would like to keep Kyle. But right after that stuff, Burke, um, you know, they, they, uh, Run the pick and roll one more time. The defense collapses to stop the roll from O'Quinn. Burke's like, all right, I'm going to pull up. Hit this mid-range J. Um, and he was just knocking down shots. He was knocking down shots. But it's tough to sustain that every game. Uh, he used his body well to shield himself from a defender on a layup attempt. This was uh, in the second quarter. And then to put the cherry on top, he savagely blocked DJ Augustine in the fourth quarter. It was vicious. It was, I dare say, a sunning. But just great game from Burke. I think I would love to, you know, if he can do, I don't know about this consistently. I still think his ceiling, what I'm trying to say, 
is as a great bench scorer. I don't think you want him being your starting point guard going forward, but hey, maybe he can go on a pre-injury Isaiah Thomas-like run where he just can't be stopped and keeps proving people wrong. Would be a good problem to have. My prediction that he's better suited as a super six man, you know, if he reaches his potential fully. But great job from him in his 30 minutes. I want to talk about the rest of the kids, the rest of the youth that got in this game. But first, a quick reminder that you guys are listening to Locked On Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and rate us five stars. Once again, that's Locked On Knicks. Let's talk about the other kids who didn't get quite as much time. Damian Dotson got eight minutes. He forced a drive and missed a layup, didn't get a foul call. That wasn't great. He took a lightly contested corner three in transition off a pass from Frank. He missed it. That wasn't great. Later on, he did hit a three in rhythm from the wing in the second quarter. That was nice. He ran the floor well, played competent defense, didn't do much else. else. Not a lot you can do in eight minutes. Not a great game from Dotson. Not a horrible one. Pretty so-so. Luke Cornett got eight minutes of yikes. <laughs> he went 0 for 5 from the floor. 0 for 3 from downtown. He took all three of his threes in like two seconds. He was just firing away. He had no blocks. Two rebounds, one assist. Got abused by Vucevic a couple of times. Not his best game. Although he was plus one in almost eight minutes. <laughs> I don't think he contributed too much to that plus one. That was Luke Cornett's night. Hicks was not active, and Troy Williams, their new 10-day contract signee, got six minutes. His first look was a pass that was like a really bad turnover. He just threw it at his defender, and the defender was like, sure, I'll take this. But I will excuse the opening jitters. He then missed a long mid-range shot, but Burke snaggled the long rebound. Always nice to see a guard grabbing those long rebounds. And Troy Williams cut. Off that rebound, uh, Burke hit him, and then Troy Williams got a nice athletic layup in rhythm off the trade Burke pass. He had one more nice athletic layup. So he, you know, showed athleticism, <laughs> to say that word, for the third time in two seconds. But not much else. Then again, it was only six minutes. Like, would like to see more from him. Maybe I would like to see a game where they just let him play starters, man, to see what he can contribute. That was it for the kids. Let's talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. Underratedly, a very important part of the close of this season. I really, you know, would love for him to put together a bunch of solid outings in a row to close out the season. Um, I would say make me feel good about that contract. But I don't feel bad about that contract. But make, you know, Hardaway feel confident in himself. I talked about this on the last, uh, or a couple episodes ago. You know, this is... Chris Dapps' first year as a number one guy. It's Hardaway's first year as a number two guy. And now he's a de facto number one guy. So it's important for him to develop good habits as a leader of the team. To develop consistency. So I really want to see him you know, play decent minutes. Not an overwhelming amount. Don't risk injury with fatigue. But a solid you know, 25 minutes a night. Even 30 minutes a night. I'm okay with as long as he's healthy. Cleared by the medical staff. And this was one of those type of games that I would like to see going forward. 23 points. On 9 of 19 shooting. So not the most efficient. He was only 1 of 6 from downtown. But acceptable. acceptable. And uh, he led the team in assists with 6. It was actually tied with Trey Burke. So shouts to both of y'all. Um, but he was looking for the open man. And what was great about Hardaway. Um, 
he played real winning basketball when the team needed him, narratively speaking, over the course of the game. He had really solid play in the third quarter. He was a driving force behind the Knicks taking the lead in that third quarter when they outscored the Magic 30-21. to He had a great transition block on Simmons. Made me jump out of my seat and shout. Um, he played nice, aggressive, individual defense, really getting into his man, not giving him room to operate when he was playing one-on-one. He got out in transition a lot. He went coast-to-coast um, off, a, off a miss for a nice layup. Took his man off the dribble a couple times, faking a three-point shot. A really solid third quarter from Tim Hardaway Jr., helping put the Knicks over the hump. As we know with the Knicks, nothing's guaranteed until that final whistle blows, but he put them in a good position to win the game. Um, and he took part in the sunning of the night. Out in transition, Moutier hit him for an incredibly athletic alley-oop. And it was a wonderful play. If you didn't see it, I suggest you seek it out. He also committed the hilarious boner of the night. <laughs> he had a three from the corner that hit the side of the backboard. So that was interesting. Can't win them all. All in all, a nice solid outing from Hardaway Jr. I hope he can string together a bunch of these to close out the season. I want to talk about Clyde Frazier. Two incidents from what Clyde Frazier. He had a very perplexing remark. It was fan appreciation night. And Breen said something to the effect of, We have the best fans in the world. Stick with the team. They stick with the team through thick and thin. And then Clyde said, yeah, especially the women, Mike. They always go, ah, well, they'll get better. They always believe in their team. So I just want to, Clyde, stop singling out women as a whole and they think this or they think that. And like, especially when you hint that they don't understand the game as well as men, not a good look for you. You're a good guy. Stop making weird comments about women as a whole like, not understanding basketball. It's, uh, Breen, I thought, was embarrassed. He kind of got quiet for a little bit. Probably not the time to... I mean, he, I wish Breen would have said something, to be honest. Like, gently. You know, rebuke Clyde. He does it in other moments. I'm not going to spend too much time, you know, shaming him. But didn't love that. We all make mistakes. But, Clyde, stop calling out women as a gender, please. But in a Clyde-positive highlight, um, we learn that he can set for himself... A hard $10 limit when he's gambling. So he's willing to lose $10, (laughs) but no more. Nice and responsible. Some might say a little bit stingy. Come on, Clyde. Live a little. But a delightful Clyde quirk. Miscellaneous notes from the game. It was a nice game from Lance Thomas. I shit on him a lot. He worked his ass off out there. He hit some nice... He set some nice picks to spring teammates for open shots. He had one nice hard moving pick to set Burke... Open, but they don't call it, so do it. You'd be dumb not to. The Warriors do it all the time. Set moving picks. The league doesn't call it. Of note, the plus-minus hero in this one was Trey Burke at a robust plus-15. Shouts to you. The plus-minus turkey of this game was Emmanuel Moutier at minus-8. All right, that's it for this one. I want to thank you guys very much for listening to Locked On Knicks. If you got a moment, rate us on iTunes. Five stars, please. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Tell your friends about Locked On Knicks if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Knicks, or you can follow me on Twitter at NBA Injury Report. Be chill with each other and join us tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Knicks. Peace.